Hi, and welcome back to Tell Me What Happened, the podcast that features folks from all walks of life telling us of one childhood experience and how that event has impacted who they are today. I'm your host, Jay Rehack, and like you, I've had my share of childhood experiences. Some of them were beautiful and great, and some of them were actually quite painful. But I'd like to think that everything that happened to me has impacted who I am today and hopefully made me a better person. Tell Me What Happened is sponsored by Sideline Inc. Publishing, publishers of quality books, including Susan Salador's classic, One Little Act of Kindness. Tell Me What Happened is also sponsored by LaughSaver.com. Visit LaughSaver.com and record your laughter. We'll keep it for you now and forever. It's free and your children and your grandchildren and your great-grandchildren We'll appreciate it. That's LaughSaver.com. BGW, LaughSaver.com is going to become an app beginning in the middle of June. So look for it on your phones and download the app. All right. Well, today I have as my guest a friend of mine, a woman I've known for many years, actually. I met her through the Chicago Teachers Pension Fund. She's been helping out there for many, many years. Michelle Holliman. Michelle is a grassroots community organizer and volunteer, currently serving her second term as an elected councilwoman for the city of Highland Park. She has 30 years of experience in marketing communications with a focus on storytelling, editing, and project management. She currently serves as the director of communications for the Chicago Teachers Pension Fund. Welcome, my friend, Michelle Holliman. Oh, Jay, thank you so much for that introduction. I, um, I'm rarely on this side of the interview. I'm usually doing the other side of the interview. So it's a, it's a great honor and a special treat for me to be here today. And I just want to thank you for the opportunity. Well, thanks for coming on the show, Michelle. I need you to keep the pension fund flowing for us and going for us. So I don't want to take up too much of your time. Yeah. No, no, no. I will only take a few moments. I'll be right back to work. I promise. <laughs> All right. Well, Michelle, are you ready to tell your story? I am. I am. Okay. So I have to say that it, it was quite a path to think of a single story that had an influence on my childhood. You know, when you think back after all these years, I'm in my 50s, it all kind of runs together. But I thought about it a lot and I appreciate the opportunity to do that. And, and what I came to was one day after my first day of school in 1974 at Hickory Point Elementary. And I came home from school that day and I found my mom and I said, mom, mom, I wanna be a brownie. I saw all the girls at school wearing their brownie uniforms and I'm a first grader, but I wanna be a brownie. I was so impressed with the, the hats and the uniforms and the badges and all of that. And I just, I wanted to be a part of that. And so my mom was like, yeah, honey, you know, you're only a first grader and there, there's no such thing as a first grade brownie troop. And I was like hysterical, but I wanted to be a brownie mom. I know, I know I could do it. I know I'm only in first grade, but so my mom did, but you know, all good moms do. She settled me down and gave me a cookie and said, okay, let me make some calls. 
And she did. And, and she called the Council of Girl Scouts the next day and talked to all the people and, and got a, a handle on it. And then came back to me and said, well, honey, there, there is no Girl Scout troop. But what I can do is I can start my own. And I was like, really? She's like, yes, it would be the first first grade troop in the nation because they don't do first grade. But I think you could handle it. And, and I was like, yeah, mom, that would be awesome. And Looking back, what I didn't realize at the time is that my parents really didn't have the means to go about starting something like this. Like my, my dad was a, a mechanic and my mom stayed home with us and they got by. But, you know, it was going to be a little, she had to make some investment in this brownie troop. And so I remember distinctly her going out and buying fabric and sewing uniforms for us because she couldn't afford to buy them. And she recruited a neighbor in the neighborhood and together they convinced the school to give them free space after school. And they, that, that was back in the days and there was no internet. So there was no email going out. So she wrote out little invitations and gave them to all the girls in the first grade class and organized our first meeting. And I showed up and was so proud of my mom and her green uniform with Mrs. Weintraub, her co-leader. And we kind of held our breath, hoping that people would show because we didn't know what would happen. And like 25 girls showed up for our first meeting of the Brownie trip. And I was so excited. And, and every week we would go in our little brown uniforms with our little brown caps and our like sashes and we would earn badges and we'd learn things. And it was a true, but we had to bring a quarter. I think it was, we, every week we had to pay a quarter and my mom kept very detailed lists, which I'm sure she still has all of our attendance lists. But it was that energy and enthusiasm that went on for like five years. Like what she started then, Brownie Troop 138, went on for years and years and years. And when I thought, had to think back about this assignment, like think back about something that was influential, it was that moment that I realized, and that my parents set the example for me, that when you need something in a community to be a part of a community, you have to raise your hand sometimes. It's not enough to just join and send your kid off to the event or the occasion. When there are things that need to be done that would enrich your community and help build that sense of community, sometimes you have to step up and do it. And that was the first example that I remember from my parents, but that example continued to repeat itself throughout my life as both my mother and father became very involved in the community from many different aspects. My dad, uh, you know, he worked two and three jobs to support us. So he was less formal, but he was always the person in the neighborhood that, you know, when the blizzard of 76 hit, he was the one out there with his Bronco plowing driveways for the elderly folks and doing and, and, and helping. When the electricity went out, he would run electrical cords from his welder to power all the refrigerators in the neighborhood so that our food didn't spoil. My mom was the PTO person who volunteered and helped and assisted with Meals on Wheels and social chaired and did everything she could to make sure that her kids were active and engaged in our community. And that, those lessons, that example that they set for us of helping you know, my sister and I understand from a young age that to be a part of a community, you have to contribute to your community really laid a foundation for my future career service and the example that I hope to set for our family going forward. That was my story. I loved it. I was imagining you as a little brownie, I don't know, first grade or right, whatever. Right, with a beanie. And, yeah. <laughs> 
But, you know, fast forward now to being actually a councilwoman in Highland Park and that you drew the connection. You made it very clear about the idea of service to a community. And sometimes, as you said, sometimes it just means you have to step up, not waiting around for somebody. Wonder, Why doesn't somebody do something? <laughs> and your mother with her uh, energy and courage and willingness to start something that didn't exist before. That moves me, actually, because uh, like like you suggested, she wasn't like a wealthy woman who goes, all right, well, let me just hire somebody to get this done. Exactly. And the whole idea for her is that it was totally new. Now, my mom was a teacher, so she obviously had skills and she, you know, she was she knew how to manage a classroom and that brownie troop ran like clockwork. <laughs> but that idea that she was willing to tackle something that she didn't know how to do. And I get that a lot from people and, you know, who are saying, well, I want to you know, I'm so upset about X or Y, we should do something. It's like, yeah, okay, you can do something, right? Take an action, circulate a petition, make your voice known, go to a council meeting, speak out. There's so many things that you can do. Not knowing how to do it isn't really an excuse. And, and that's kind of that example that my mom set for me too. Like, you know what, you can learn it as you go. You can be a grassroots organizer by knocking on doors and helping people understand what's important to you and why. We can all learn to do that. And, and I think that was the continuing example. I've seen it with you. I've seen your activism on many occasions. <laughs> I don't know that you set out to be an activist when you became a teacher, but that evolved over time, right? And, and causes that were important to you, it became easy to advocate for. Yeah, I, I have to say though, uh, I, I did become an activist, but I constantly look around for somebody else. Would somebody else please do this so that I don't have to do it? You know? They're called really children. One. It's what? called children. Children. Yeah. That's what I. <laughs> you pass the torch, right? Pass the torch, right? So, Michelle, you have children of your own, right? I do. We have three boys. Did any of them ever become involved in Boy Scouts or Cub Scouts, or was that just something that happened uh, just to you? Yeah, you. no, I'm actually the proud mom of an Eagle Scout. Uh, our oldest, Ethan, did complete and became an Eagle Scout. And all of them have been very involved in community service and, you know, their volunteerism and that. So I do feel like we have passed that along to them. Our youngest was actually featured on the MSNBC clip last fall for service during Hurricane Ida. He worked for World Central Kitchen. And it was with great pride. I was like, oh, look at that, Matt. He's on TV. Um, <laughs> But the idea that we passed that along, right, that, that he, um, when all of his, his classmates evacuated from Tulane during the hurricane, he stayed behind and he lived without power and electricity for, in 100 degree heat and served at World Central Kitchen for a week, two, two weeks. Yeah. So we're proud of him. Very, that's a very impressive. I know you sort of said offline before we got on that. One of your children is also going off to the Ukraine. Is that right? Uh, to do some work there? Yeah, he'll go to Poland. Not not quite Ukraine, but right on the border. World Central. He's going to go back to volunteer for World Central Kitchen to serve at the border. Just they're doing amazing work, feeding people, and just they're just an incredible organization. We're proud to support. Yes. Well. Michelle, thank you for coming on this show. I really am so happy to see you again. We we reconnect after our time, my time on the pension fund came to an end a couple of years ago, but you're still keeping it solvent, which I really appreciate. And the communication side of it, you're keeping everybody informed, which I really appreciate. Thank you for your kindness for coming on the show. Oh, thank you so much for having me. I was, I have to admit, this is probably one of the most intimidating things I've done, <laughs> but you made it delightful. And I really, really appreciated the chance to go back and think through some wonderful 
memories of my childhood and make those connections. So thank you for that opportunity. All right. Well, that's our show. I'd like to thank my friend, Michelle Holloman, who from now on I will be imagining as a councilwoman in Highland Park wearing a brown beanie cap. <laughs> so I I'll do that at my next meeting just for you. <laughs> thank you so much. Well, thank ma- you, Doug. <laughs> Thanks, Michelle. All right. Have a good evening. Thank you. Thank Bye-bye. You. All right. Well, that's our show. I'd like to thank Michelle Holloman again. I'd also like to thank our sponsors, Sidelining Publishing, Publishers of Quality Books, as well as LaughSaver.com. Visit LaughSaver.com and record your laughter. We'll keep it for you now and forever. It's free, and your children and your entire family will appreciate it. And thank you for it. LaughSaver.com So I'm going to end the show in honor of Michelle Holloman's mother, who took the step back in the day to help out 25 young people who wanted to be part of something that they otherwise couldn't have been a part of. And so I'm going to end with one little act of kindness. So until next time, this is Jay Rehack asking you all to please stay safe out there and try not to hurt anybody. One little act of kindness can go a long, long way. Two little acts of kindness can brighten anyone's day. Three little acts of kindness can make a beautiful sound. Many acts of kindness help the world go round. One little loving word can go a long, long can brighten anyone's day. Three little loving words can make a beautiful sound. Many loving words help the world go round. One little seed sown can go a long, long way. Can Brian?